0: grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for, find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we conclude this series in the book of 1 Corinthians, a study in the first letter to Corinth as today we're in the last chapter. 1 Corinthians 16. Some great verses in here like be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. But Pastor Sean picks up on another theme, and that's seeing the church as family, belonging to the family of God. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do so today. It's a place to give at org. This message today is called Family Business. It's in the series called One. Sean starts off in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Remember, the, the whole theme of the book is one. One gospel, one church, one spirit, one mission, because the church of Corinth was not unlike the church in America today. They were they divided over anything. Because, and, and let me tell you something. This isn't a Corinth issue. It's not an America issue. It's a people issue, and people are sinners, and sin says me first. It says pride, and that's what causes division. And that's what the Corinthian church was all about. I mean, they, they were following Jesus, they loved the Lord, but they got caught up in these controversies and Paul had to keep reminding them, wait a minute, no, no, there's only one gospel, one church, one mission, one spirit, that's it. You are one. And that was a, a, powerful, a powerful lesson for them. And we've learned that that's really an appropriate lesson for us to be reminded in this day where everything seems to be divided politically, everything seems to be divided along racial lines, along regional lines, that wait a minute, we're one church. And so today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, which is really an interesting chapter, and we're going to go through the whole chapter. It's a, it's a kind of short chapter, so we can cover it all. But we're going to wrap up, and we're going to talk about what we're calling family business. 1 Corinthians 16, I'll begin reading at verse 1, says, Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. After I go through Macedonia, I'll come to you, for I'll be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I'll stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I don't want to see you now making only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. When Timothy comes, and remember Timothy was a young kind of apprentice pastor that Paul had raised up and trained, and would ultimately plant him at Ephesus. But he says, when Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he's with you, for he's carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him along with the brothers. Now about our brother Apollos. You remember who Apollos was? In the beginning of the book, we were told people divided over, well, I'm of Paul. No, I'm of Apollos. Apollos was a very gifted communicator who God was really using in the churches. But people divided, saying, well, I'm with Paul and I align with Paul. No, I align with Apollos. And Paul's like, what are you doing? He said, I didn't die for you. Apollos didn't die for you, Jesus did. He says, you know, one of us plants, the other waters. It's the Lord who brings the increase. He's the one who causes the growth. And so he kind of just addressed that. But now he mentions Apollos again. Now about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now. But he'll go when he has the opportunity. Some commentators suggest that he was unwilling to go because he knew of the division. And he didn't want to stoke that division. And you see, Paul completely, you know, Paul's not in any way insecure. He's saying, no, I wanted him to come to you. But the assumption is that you can do it without having these weird factions develop. And So he says, but he will come when he has the opportunity. And then Paul goes in verse 13 and just starts kind of really coaching him up a little bit. He says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia. They've devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaeus arrived, because they supplied what was lacking from you, for they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone doesn't love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this word. Thank you for this book, for this chapter. And I pray that you'd speak to us. Help us more than just a teaching. Help us to hear you, what you want to say to us. Help us open our eyes and our heart and then give us the strength and courage to follow you in obedience because that's where the power is, Lord. That's where the word comes to life as we walk in obedience to what you've said. Teach us to listen for your voice and then do what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, there's all kinds of great themes in this chapter. We could look at, at any number of themes and do a whole teaching on them. But what I found interesting in the chapter is that Paul kind of, we almost have a little slice a day in the life of the church. We get to see kind of this thing. He, he gives us almost a behind-the-scenes look at how the church operated, which I want to suggest is really valuable. We, we learn, I think, a couple of different ways. We can learn by instruction or we learn by example. And instruction's great. When you hear good teaching and you're told how to walk, how to live, how to follow Jesus, that's awesome. But when you get to see example, when we get to see an example of what the church looks like and how they interacted with one another, that's really valuable as well. And it gives us a different color, a different shade of understanding. And I think that's what Paul's given us here. And I I can't say, I, I can't stress enough how important this is because there's a whole lot of people who just don't get the church. They really don't. They don't get the church at all. There are people who absolutely hate the church. They really do hate the church. In fact, you probably know of people who really don't like the church very much or don't want anything to do with the church. Anybody know anyone who doesn't want to have anything to do with the church? Anyone know somebody like that? Yeah, I know lots of people like that. By the way, if you didn't raise your hand, you need to get out more, okay? There's a lot of those kind of people out there some actually hate the church. They they just have this distorted view and this idea of this organization that that claims to follow God. And they they assume oh they think they're better than me oh there's this holier than thou all this different stuff when it comes to the church. There's another group who maybe they don't hate the church but they avoid it like the plague because they would tell you they've been hurt by the church. You know anybody like that? Maybe you at one point were someone like that. A lot of people just said, Yeah, okay, I'm I'm all good with God, I'm good with Jesus, but I, I don't want anything to do with the church because I had an experience once where a leader did this, a person in my group did this, a pastor did this, and I was hurt. A lot of people walking around going, Oh yeah, I'm me and Jesus, we're really good. We're good, but I, I don't I don't want anything to do with the church. And then there's some people who just don't think the church is necessary. They're just like, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm good with God. I'm, I'm growing with him. I'm praying. I read the Bible. I don't need the church. In fact, I'm closer to God out here on the golf course than I am in the church. And I'm like, dude, I've seen your golf game. No, you're not. <laughs> Nothing godly about that. <laughs> but, you know, you've heard, you've heard it all. That it's where the idea, I, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, comes from. Okay, I'm not religious. I, I don't want any, any kind of parameters. I don't want any of those kind of things. I, I'm just a spiritual being following God how I see fit. And, the, and what you get is a whole lot of people who just want nothing to do with the church. They just don't see the need for it. I think a lot of people look at the church through external lenses. Okay, the th- They see kind of what we do, a number of different things. First, they'll see our Our theology. Do I believe what you teach? Do I believe what your interpretation of the Bible, what the Bible says? They look through our theology, and they know us by our theology. Maybe some others, uh, our polity. Our polity is really our leadership structures, how we organize, how we do our business together. And they either like or don't like or that. Some see the church only through the lens of our ministry. and A lot of people, I would say, especially people outside the church, our weekend services, our, our outreaches, our ministries, different ministries and things we do, our missions, all those things. They see our ministries and they go, well, okay, that's what the church is. Some people see our advocacy, well, the, th- the causes we get behind, and, you know, another word would be our politics. Do we make the church about our political views, our political stands on things? What do we advocate? And some people just look at the church as our property. They look and they see, you know, well, that's where the building is, that's what it is. And, and it's either, oh, a very quaint little small town church, that's a beautiful little thing with a little steeple, or it's one of those big, nasty mega churches. And look at all that property and all that stuff. A lot of people look sideways when they come on this property. What the heck happened here? God gave it to us. I don't know. See, I want to suggest that those words our theology, our polity, our ministry, our advocacy, our property. Those words will never fully allow you to understand who we are. The word that describes who we are
0: is family. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Family Business. It's in the series on Unity called One, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry to continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. In fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. it's family.
1: See, that's what Paul's just been describing. We've been getting a picture of how the family operates, how they take care of business, how they take care of each other, what kind of things they they do together. That's what he's really, that's what we're seeing. And here's the main point. If you're taking notes, write this down. You'll never understand the church until you learn to see the church as family. All these other things, if people look at the church and they're looking at our theology, our advocacy, our polity, our property, whatever it is, they'll never understand who we are. They'll know little bits about us. You know, there are people out there who can write a wonderful paper about the church. They've read, they've studied church history, but they have no clue because they've never been engaged in the family. Do you notice how many times Paul, in that one chapter, uses the word brothers and sisters? Brothers and sisters. One of the interesting things about the church is we understand God as our Father, and all of us, we're the brothers and sisters. And a whole lot of people sit and go, yeah, I want God the Father. He's so loving. He's so full of grace. I'm so, I'm into God the Father. Yeah, but I don't want those brothers and sisters. Not interested in the brothers and sisters. Want the Father. Don't want the brothers and sisters. Yeah, that's not how family works. Family doesn't work that way. Don't really get the Father without... Because he always brings along the brothers and sisters. That's how it works. It's like, well, but Father's perfect, and these brothers and sisters are so imperfect, like me. And his family. You need to no, know, Paul isn't the one who originated this idea, right? This didn't start with Paul. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 12, 47 through 50, we're told someone came up to him. He was talking to a group of people, teaching a group of people. Someone came up and told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to them, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? I'm like, wait a minute, Jesus, you don't know who your mother is? She's kind of famous. Now he's making a point. Pointing to his disciples, he said, here, are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And you know, that's not even the first time that idea was communicated. You you understand, when God created the world, he he didn't, he didn't just populate it all of a sudden with 100,000 people or a million people. There was plenty of room, he sure could have. But he started with a couple a family. And he communicates that in Genesis. He communicates with Adam and Eve, he was starting a family. And mankind grew from there. Then when mankind sinned, rebelled against God, did our own thing, and God needed to begin the plan of redemption, how did he start? Start with a family. A guy named Abraham and his wife Sarah. He said, I'm going to make your family a great nation. And from that nation is going to become a deliverer, a redeemer, who will redeem all of mankind. I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and I'm going to bless the whole world through you. Genesis 12. And Paul says then, later on in Romans, he says, we, those of us who are not Jews, part of that family, we may have some Jewish believers here, God bless you, but most of us are probably Gentile believers. He says, we've been grafted into that family that's what Jesus did. He grafted us into the family. This whole thing is about family. I don't think you're ever going to really understand the church until you understand and learn to see the church as family. So many things make sense when you understand as family. So many things don't If all you ever see the church is as an organization, a 501c3, a property, a denomination, however you want to see it, if that's all you ever see it as, all you're going to do is sit and criticize the church because you're going to miss the point. You're going to miss it. And you'll, you'll become critical, you'll become bitter, you'll become sour towards the church. And this has happened to a whole lot of people. But the minute you start to see the church as a family, a whole lot of things begin to make sense. Oh. We were grafted into that family, and so it's no surprise that God wanted us to identify and walk as family together. I think in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul is handling what we call family business. So I've entitled the message Family Business, and I think in this passage we see five traits of a healthy family lived out in the life of the church, and I want to go through those real quickly for you. First, number one, every member of the family shares in meeting the needs of the family, okay? Every member of the family shares in meeting the needs of the family. No freeloaders. You know, when our little kids get old enough, when they were real little, you notice how little kids, little toddlers, how they want to help, they're so helpful, just until the time when they can actually become helpful, and then never again, right? It didn't matter. Okay, we'd let them help. Lori would have little jobs. They they would dust the baseboards with the little brush. They loved dusting the baseboards, like about four feet of baseboards, and then they're done, okay? But but as they got older, we still made them, okay, now they had to do age-appropriate chores because, hey, you eat here, you sleep here, it's your house, you enjoy it, you got to help take care of it. And as they got older and older, that responsibility grew with their ability and their understanding and all those things. makes perfect sense. That's how a family works. A healthy family works that way. Every member of the family shares in meeting the needs of the family. Well, that's what verses 1 through 4 is. Paul's taking an offering. He's teaching them about financial responsibility because there's ministry needs, and they share in the context of their resources to help support the family. And understand, the church has been involved in corporately sharing resources since the very beginning, the inception of the church. Acts chapter 2, one of the first things we're told about the church, all those great things on the day of Pentecost when the church was born, we're told that they began to share resources to meet the needs of the body. And Acts 4 gives us another picture of exactly how they did that. They would sell property, and they would lay that at the feet of the apostle. In other words, it was through the leadership. They didn't just go do good works on their own. They did that and that was a good thing. But this idea of there is needs in the body and we're going to share in the needs. They supported the ministry. They supported the mission and they cared for one another through their shared resources. And they brought that and we're told in the New Testament, we're told they sold houses, they sold resources and some people get weird about that. When they look at Acts chapter two, they get really bizarre because it's like, oh my gosh, you know, they shared their resources and the phrase is actually there that says they didn't consider even their stuff their own. They shared it all. And oh my gosh, they were socialists. Oh, it's socialism. There, I knew it. Now, if you think of it pure, if you think of the church as an organization or this political entity, then yes, that's right. But to understand it crystal clear, you just got to understand, oh no, they weren't socialists. They were family. They were just sharing with family. And oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. That's how they viewed each other. That's how they supported their mission. That's how they supported their ministries. That's how they cared for each other. Administered by the apostles and then passed on to church leaders, which is what Paul is advocating here in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 4. He's telling them how to do it. Take a sum appropriate to your income, in other words, proportionate giving, And he doesn't use the word tithe, but it's exactly what the tithe had been for God's people since before Jesus. Jesus had a chance to say no more tithing, but he didn't. When he talked about the tithe, he commended the tithe. And Paul doesn't in this setting use that word, but he says bring an amount appropriate. Every week when you gather, bring an amount appropriate with your income. And then he tells them how to administer This particular offering was to bless and meet a need in Jerusalem. See, what you see is the function of this family sharing responsibilities and resources because every member of the family shares in meeting the needs of the family. Now, Paul is coming because he's a Jewish leader, and this church is largely Jewish in its origins, from this understanding and idea of the tithe. You're like, well, wait a minute. The tithes were just the taxes for this nation. This nation never looked at itself as a nation. They were a family. They were a family. Yes, there, and there are different types of tithes. Tithe means a tenth, a tenth of your income. Listen to how he talks about the tithe, in the, how God talks about the tithe in Malachi chapter 3. He's speaking through the prophet Malachi, and God is speaking. and says, will a man rob God? This is verse 8. He says, yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, or tithes and offerings, You are cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me. The whole nation of you bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Make note of that. That's the only instance in Scripture where we're told to test God. In fact, we're told not to test God. But here's an exception. Put me to the test says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. That phrase, no more need, this is the ESV, that, the literal translation of that, until you can't contain it. Until there's so much, you can't contain it. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. I'll rebuke the devourer for you. Not only will I bless you to where you don't even have room to contain it, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of your soil. And the vine in your field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. I'll multiply your resources. I'll also protect your resources. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. The tithe was how the needs of God's house were met but it's not without this problem Because a lot of people go, a tithe, 10%. We practice the tithe here. Like, 10%, are you kidding me? Basically, based on my track record, I'm living on about 130% of my income. It's going it to hit you. <laughs> How in the world can I live off of 90%? God just told you. He said, I want to bless you so much that I will do more. I will bless you more. You will have more with 90% and God than you could have on your own with 100%. That's what the promise of Scripture says. And what you find is that this is a discipline that God built into his people. You go, well, the tithe is part of the law. No, it wasn't. It was before the law. Abraham tithed before Moses. This is one of those things that carries on, and Paul is now teaching these people this principle of God caring for you so much and blessing you so that you can be generous and that he literally will do more with 90% than you could do with 100%. You go, well, that's, that, that's impossible. That's, that's mathematically impossible. Well, yeah, except he's God. <laughs> and he absolutely... Can and does do that, and there are people all over this room, all throughout this church, who have experienced this, and it's life changing.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One, it's available right now on demand at ReachingForRealLife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. On the Donate tab at ReachingForRealLife.org.